My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Bob and Zip. Good evening, ladies and germs. Here's Zip Zipfell, my partner. Hi, Zip. <laughs> good, good evening. And we Ed cutting Kelly. out all of the rest of that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Ed Kelly, uh, uh, Zip wanted to mention a, a passing of a very famous person. Uh, and he was the father of some of the most important television of all time, right? Absolutely. Carl Reiner. How old was Carl he? Carl Reiner passed away at 98. Talk mm. about a great long run. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Would you be happy was with there 98? The, Would you be like, all right, that's cool, I'm ready? <laughs> I I would definitely by that time I'm sure I'll be ready. Okay. I'm ready, I, but now. I don't think I'll get there. <laughs> it's ready now. I know so much. Have you had a bad week, Ed? No, it's just that the headlines kind of get to me after a while when you get cocooning oh, on the computer. Oh. You know, they really do. Oh, it's, don't they? And you find oh, out man, there's I, a new virus coming out out of China. You know, a swine virus. It's like how many pandemics do we need? What, is there a new virus? Hold on, yes, let's catch up is. on the news because <laughs> I can't keep up. There's it's a there's a 24 second news cycle now. Yeah, you're out That's in your field right. putting Take webs over your blueberries. Meanwhile, yeah. I prefer are dying to just talk about the cool old people who passed away and have that be all my news. <laughs> For the day, <laughs> whatever floats your boat, cowboy. Well, you see, that's a, that's a, an important part of retirement is the obituaries. Yeah, they the obits, absolutely. Front page news for you. Oh yeah. no, <laughs> I refuse. I Me too. um yeah, I don't want to. I, I, I don't like to think about it. What's weird is the older I get, the less I fear death. So when I was yeah. forty. If I had like a little pain in my chest, I'd be like, that's the big one, Wheezy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the big one, Elizabeth. Here I come. It's Elizabeth, out my right. way, dummy. And now when I have a little pain, it's like, could be, maybe not, not going to worry about it. Wait, I just did Ed Sanford. Is that politically incorrect now? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> okay, just check it. We're pretty harmless. Like, we're, we're like the oldsters in that movie, Cocoon. <laughs> They're not going to really, you know. Bringing us Let's down go. won't make enough of a big headline. Let's go swimming, Bob. <laughs> oh, let's get started on this uh, tonight, though, because I think it's probably the biggest story of the day. All right. Is that our friend, Dr. Fauci, has come out and said that we are headed for 100,000 new cases a day. Now, considering we just surpassed the worst uh, numbers and we're now up to 40,000 or more per day. He's predicting that the COVID 19 pandemic is going to really, really take off. And um, 100,000 cases a day. And, oh, and what's interesting about this, to me anyway, because I love numbers and I love the consequences of numbers, even though we're hitting 40,000. They don't count as much as the 30-something thousand we had before because they're young people. Do you know what I'm saying? That is true, yes. And so Very true. The young people, and, and I've been having this conversation with my wife, with various friends of mine. Let's see how you guys feel. Do you remember when you were 25? And it's okay if you don't, Zip. I, but I completely understand. <laughs> Yes, I do. I, I've thought about this. Yes. I, you know, I probably 
I don't know if they'd be one of those kids that say, hey, man, am I kid at whatever I'm partying? I wasn't that bad. No, but, but I, if you, if you, and I assume you could read, although you were a musician, but. <laughs> the drummer. <laughs> and the drummer at that. <laughs> oh, man. But. I'm at but, the bottom of the food chain. Room. Follow me down this rabbit hole. Because I'm thinking about this for myself, too. And my answer is going to be a very humble uh, look at my limited capabilities at that age. If I, if there was a disease at that age, first off, I paid so little attention to the news that it would really take something major for me to stop. And, you know, Lana Jones would be reading the story or Zip would be reading the story. Because uh, he was the news guy when we were on the air together. And I would go, yuck, 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 yeah, too bad about grandma and grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would look at the numbers and I would say, well, let's see, what's the death rate for you and me, Zippy? And we would look at the numbers. And if you looked at the 20-something-year-olds, it's like the flu. It's like no one you know is going to get it and die from it. So weighing that against the idea of doing record hops, of going to parties, bars, concerts, if the government tried to take all of that away from me and it wasn't going to personally hurt me, You may have well, been consider. the Unabomber. Hmm? <laughs> you may have become the Unabomber. Well, I might have made it my own hat with my own slogan about America and put it on yeah. my head. Well, uh-huh. Considering that back in the day, and let me use the musician's lifestyle as an example, mm. yeah. at you know one thirty in the morning, buying a substance from some guy you've known for 10 minutes. Yes, mm-hmm. that is white powder. Which is a white powder. You. Yeah. That could kill you. You were it was considered just eager an acceptable health risk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I do get it. That's get how it, yeah. I balance. Yes. So when I, I see I the kids it. on the beaches and I watch the news media ridicule and torment them, I go, "Wait a minute, you guys! You have it all wrong. These are young people. There's no reason that, they, especially with the leadership they've been given, there's no reason that they should understand that this is important. It doesn't mm-hmm. affect them directly." And, you know, I, I mean, if you want to be the, I, I, if, if I were in charge, I would at least consider this option. Let's say I'm blonde and look like I should be on Fox News and I have access, I have the ears of the president. I'd say, sir. <laughs> I feel like I'm waiting out on a very thin so, branch here. But it's the I, worst McEnany impression. Yeah. You know who I'm picking up. <laughs> yes. But I would say, you know what? Why don't we just tell young people what they're actually capable of knowing? Look, you guys, we want you to take all those risky delivery jobs, go out on the beach, catch the virus. But here's the thing. You just cannot be anywhere near. In, in other words, have a global or national restraining order that no one under the age of 40 can be anywhere near anyone over the age of 45. You could leave and 40 to 45 as kind of they're a in demilitarized Asia. zone. Yes. In there. Yeah. I like that. But what if you simply made it illegal to come anywhere near old people? And then, and I would say, do this for your country. Lick door handles in public bathrooms. <laughs> 
Is that what you're calling? <laughs> the following is a dramatization meant to illustrate a point. Yes. What do you I think? I will say this. I do think that the majority of young people were a they're a bit more on the ball than we were at that age, oh. just by the digital age. Yes. I really do. Just by being I connected think, to information. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I really do. I think you're right. So give them some credit for that. And also the only, I have seen a couple of kids who uh, contracted the virus after they went to a bar and they, oh, it was pretty stupid on my part. Well, I'm quarantined now. Oh, yeah. ooh, ooh, you know, yeah, not but, terribly sick, but, but it's not a big major yeah. event in their life if they can. No, it's not. And so, I, and so again, what I'm trying to do is suggest something that could actually work. And what might actually work is to protect just the people who really need protecting. Let everybody else work through this thing. And, you know, extra benefits for us. It's the Don't Go See Grandma campaign. <laughs> exactly. Brought to you by the just World Health Organization. No to grandma and Grandpa. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't look in on your elderly neighbors anymore, yeah. folks. Just... Exactly. Exactly. And th and then you could even create like Zoom, uh, you know, community center, virtual community centers where young people could show how wonderful they are by having Zoom chats with, you know, locked up grandma and grandpa. You can't FaceTime on a jitterbug, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. And, and, and I'm, yes. I'm only half kidding because what we're doing isn't working. No. Clearly. Profound. Hmm. It is not working. No. And there's no motive. There, you, the motivation is, is the issue. They're, even in Detroit, they're going around. The, the, I was wondering why there was copters circling my building on the weekend. As it turns out, people are not, the places that were open were not respecting the social distancing um, guidelines. And nobody, and I mean nobody, was wearing a mask that were, were on the sidewalk cafes or inside the bars. Problem is that's exposing the staff. And we all know that, you know, all over the country the numbers are going up. So there, the, the mayor just told us on, on the air, he said, we're going to go, we're going to watch, we're going to see who's, who's not following the guidelines, and we're just going to shut them down with the police. Yeah. And they have been. So uh, mm. we'll uh, check in with my son later this week. Uh, he just came back from Oklahoma. And by the way, part of this rant I'm on is inspired by him because he's a 37-year-old road comic. Mm -hmm. And he got offered this gig in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You've heard of it recently. It's been in the news. People there love getting together without masks. Mm -hmm. And he got on an airplane with his mask on and his hand sanitizer. And he went. He did the show. And what's funny is he's picked up by the owner of the comedy club, whom I'm really hoping is not going to hear this podcast. And, you know, he's like, he, even he thinks it's a little probably nuts that he's doing this, but he needs to make the dough. It's a couple mm -hmm. grand he needs. Got to work. And he knows he's in a low risk. Cat. And I explained to him, I said, son, I completely understand. You have to make a living and, you know. Of course, you got to take the gig. So, on the way there, he was hoping that the comedy club owner would talk to him about 
their sanitizing policies. (laughs) (laughs) Why, we've just had the club completely fumigated by NASA with special, special DDT-like sprayers of, you know, and... And instead, what he gets is a kind of a, yeah, welcome here to real America. We don't wear no sissy face masks. Oh, my God. Enjoy yourself at the club. Yeah. I don't know if that's how he sounds, but in my mind. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Andrew does the show. He kills. He has a great, and by kills, I mean Can you say he does well? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Please. And and it was great, but and now he's back in Seattle, and there's like no more flyaway gigs for a little I'm while. Back in Seattle again. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I was thinking even of him with this idea that we just we just ride it like a cowboy, as uh, a very wise man um, never said. Uh, but mm-hmm. and at his age, what a great deal it would be because all the old comics would not be able to tour, staying home. <laughs> so Andrew would have opportunity. Yeah, Lewis Black canceled. I'm there. Yeah, <laughs> even Louis C.K. Um, was he worried at all about getting tested later on or anything? Well, I, Louis C.K. No, he's Skype masturbating now. No, Is that what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, he was doing some shows. Andrew told me he was out and about. He just doesn't get any publicity. Yes, anymore. I think he's he's going to be accepted back into the fold. It wasn't so egregious compared with some of the other transgressions. Oh, I have, yeah, I have mixed feelings about people who are erased, who didn't actually commit, you know, um, who whose whose sin was definitely a sin, definitely bad, definitely deserve, you know, a comeuppance, mm-hmm. but not to be lumped in with serial rapists. And the Al Franken story by Bob Rivers. Oh, be really? Yeah, really? Al probably really? That is the least rapey of all of them. Yeah. Um, Louis, Garrison Louis Keeler C.K. got a bad rap. What's that? Garrison, Garrison Keeler got a bad rap. What was his rap? He, correct me if I'm wrong, Ed, didn't he, he posed for a picture and he put his hand on the back of the woman he was standing with. And well, it was the back into... porch, as I recall. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was oh. The front porch. <laughs> was it? Porch. Okay. Yes. Evening. No, but it was. I don't think it, it wasn't an ass grab for sure. We were all out. Think. It was a typical night. You well, hear the so Zip, you feel that unwanted touch is okay as long as it's not right towards <laughs> the butthole. A comely young lass. And I made an <laughs> off-color remark that I shouldn't have, and I regretted it ever since. That is a pretty good Garrison Keeler. See what there is about him in the news. Two Garrison Keeler books set for release this fall. Wow. You can't stop someone from writing a book. Actually, <laughs> I take that back. They're trying, though. <laughs> Unless John's it's Trump's sister. Tale, tales, yeah. tales from Lake Ivy gone? <laughs> <laughs> You're on the board. <laughs> You're on the board, Zip. Thank you. Very good. That's a three-pointer, actually. Lake Ivy gone. Uh, no, the, uh, but that's a great title, and he would probably laugh at that In joke. the background, let's yes, hear the steam engine. Oh. <laughs> oh, from the distance, I knew. He made the penny whistle effect a huge, a legendary yes, sound effect. Did. 
So uh, what are his two books? Let's see. Two books this fall from USA Today. Uh, It says Garrison Keillor has a novel and a memoir, marking his first releases since sexual harassment allegations three years ago. Jesus. He's doing a book called The Lake Wobegone Virus, which continues the Lake Wobegone series and ties it to the current pandemic. Well, what did he do, write that book in the last 12 weeks? What else else has there been to do, Bob? Wow. I mean, think about it. He was the recipient of a National Humanities Medal in 1999. Mm -hmm. He currently hosts a podcast, The Writer's Almanac, which began as a radio show in the 90s. One of many prominent public figures who has been accused of sexual misconduct since the Me Too movement began. Look up his violation, because it was pretty benign, as I recall. Yeah. The director of Skyhorse Publishing, which is his book publisher, says mm-hmm. he's important, relevant, a great American writer. We don't believe in the cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Take the strongest possible stance against censorship. They should know. They've got experience. They published Woody Allen's memoir, Apropos right. of Nothing, which I believe landed with a huge thud. Let's just say it wasn't wasn't on the New York Times bestseller list at all, right, Woody? <laughs> right, right. So that affects my <laughs> bottom line. Just, I get three thousand square feet in Manhattan. For God's sake, do I care now? So what did Garrison Keillor do? Let's go sex scandal for three points, Mr. Google. <laughs> Here's why his allegations stand out, says the Washington Post. The public first learned that Garrison Keillor had been accused of improper behavior from Garrison Keillor. Did you know that? He accused himself? Yeah. Wow, sounds like Chris Matthews. (laughs) Oh, wow, yeah. Did he accuse himself too? Why well, he basically fessed up. He said he said to a makeup artist, "Why aren't we married yet?" I'm sorry. He said to a makeup artist, "Why aren't we married yet?" <laughs> anyway, he emailed the Associated Press to break the news and issue a statement just hours. See, this is the thing. Just hours before he was about to be fired by Minnesota ah, Public. That isn't yeah. accusing yourself. That is trying to get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. Get out front of it. He said he was fired over a story that I think is more interesting and more complicated than the version that NPR heard. What did hmm. he do? Well, and by the way, just before Keeler was fired, I mean, it was, it was a bad time. Hmm. Hours before his firing, NBC fired Matt Lauer. Ah, and NPR oh, says, we can up that. <laughs> Hold my beer. Um, so anyway, NPR has not shared any specifics. This is part of the problem with his story is that we don't know much because it all was quickly shut down. Yeah, It's got to be there somewhere. Um, in this particular story. No, but it could be ferreted out. He's right. Yeah. Yeah, not really. He says, quote, this is what he says. And again, he's a witness for the defense. <laughs> yes, he brings bias. He says, I put my hand on a woman's bare back. I meant okay, that's to right, yeah. pat her back after she told me about her unhappiness. And her shirt was open and my hand went up at about six inches. 
She recoiled. I apologized. I sent her an email of apology later, and she replied that she had forgiven me and not to think about it. Hmm. We were friends. We were continuing to be friendly right up until her lawyer called. Ah. Then MPR, which I guess is the Minnesota Public Radio, yeah, said yeah. they had a formal complaint from an individual that includes multiple allegations related to his behavior. So there's somebody else, of course. Okay. Uh, he said, oh, the one I just told you about is the only one I can remember. Yeah. I do not recall is not a good defense after the Reagan era. <laughs> I know, but it, what if it's actually the truth? It could be. I I yeah. tend to give the benefit of the doubt because I think there's a lot of piling on that happens, and I think that a lot of it is um, financially motivated. I, 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 I tend to think that's certainly possible, but I also want to believe every woman because women yeah. traditionally— Yeah, no, you have to give the benefit. It's sort of like why I believe Black Lives Matter. Well, traditionally, we have sort of not, you know, over the generations. Let me, th let me throw this out there, that if it was—I bet if it was Tom Brady— who had the same physical contact that mm. Garrison Keillor did? Well, the woman would. Rub I don't up think there'd be an issue. I try to prolong the experience. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I I, I think Garrison Keillor is not exactly a sex the procedure. Object. Was only a joke. It's not no. meant to be serious. So, okay, only makes it that much more creepy, though. Well, but you're right. Yeah, he's Garrison Keillor. Anyway, yeah. Um, Again, not that it, not that it's right, and I'm not trying to lessen the offense. But, but bottom I, line, we can speculate all we want, but it's important to know we don't know anything because mm -hmm. no one really told us anything in this one. Yeah. This is just a guy who was canceled. And all are presumed innocent. Keeler was convicted without a trial, said mm. one writer. And uh, not everyone was swayed. Uh, another fan of Keeler's said... Um, She'd long been troubled by what she described as sexist comments in his past work. Because you could start to go read into you know, yeah. stuff that was said. And um, mm. it is very obvious that there are men in power who are not very conscious of how they are towards women. And by the way, as a, as a, as a penis American... <laughs> Oh, what? I'm sorry. You know who it's I, a card-carrying penis. Oh, you know who I'm inspired by? American, Samantha yeah. B, who I absolutely love, because she's a vagina yes. American. Do you remember? Have you heard her yes. do that on the John Stewart show? I, I have not, but oh, she's yeah. great. She says, I'm a vagina American. It's brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> anyway, as a penis American, I have to uh -huh. say this. Looking back at my past, oh, I, I said and did so many stupid things that you know were thoughtless, especially younger. And, and now I have to think hard to make sure, you know, I try not to. But it's still possible to say stupid stuff. I don't think saying stupid stuff is necessarily a crime. At least not. I mean, certainly everything has consequences. Yeah. But Ask I think Joe in, Biden. I think intent is important. <laughs> yeah. If this yeah. guy seriously, serially groped people who didn't want it, then this is perfect what happened to him. But we just yeah. don't know. Uh, anyway, the NPR folks said, we know your, li your listeners are upset because we only gave you limited information and it may not seem to justify such a consequential decision. We want to assure you. It does. Now, there is one 
man who went to his grave uh, without any consequences, and that was George Herbert Walker Bush. Do you remember that? Yeah, he, was he yeah. pinching? Yeah. yeah, but he was. You see, uh, everybody gives him a pass. Point. Yeah, don't, I give him a pass. Think? You know why? Because I think pinching a butt in his generation was was an, 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 yeah yeah absolutely it was and by the way yeah. i think women have changed it's it's not enough for society to change and say well, society's changing we're stomping this down but women and by the way not all women my yeah. wife thinks this whole me too stuff is a big overblown uh, uh, often she goes you know get over it men are all like that do you ever hear any women say that <laughs> Well, women like, of a certain age. Well, not yes. the rapist, honey. Well, she does. You know, we to draw a fine line. Yeah. I heard Angie Dickinson say this in an interview, and she was pretty much a sex object, was she not? She, she loved it. She was a supermodel. She came into our show and started doing a lap dance on me because I entered. I gave her this big introduction, and she's a big one of the biggest supermodels of all time. And she came over. And she's and I'm like, whoa, honey, <laughs> it's not a bachelor party. <laughs> but you know what? She was trying to get a laugh, of course. And right? For a she did. Yeah. In that interview, her comment was, "An open robe is not a rape." And I think yeah. she was referring to uh, to. Um, well, help it's me a out good here. thing the Orange County Airport wasn't named after her. <laughs> That's all I could say. Um. That's right. <laughs> I can't understand uh, what that you're one? talking yeah, that's about, not really, Bob. That's a deep pass. That's a Hail Mary joke right there. Yeah. So oh, uh, let's move to that. Um, what do you think about the Orange County Airport possibly being renamed because John Wayne <sighs> said some things, I believe, in a Playboy interview yes. many years ago, which are kind of terrible incendiary to say the least yeah and um when this first came out i thought yeah yeah it seems reasonable i don't care that i like lisa's upset about all these statues being torn down she says yeah. it's history i like to go to a city and see who the serial murderers who were that they put in bronze and put up in the town green and she means it mm -hmm. and uh, because it's history. It's not happening now. And at the time they were honored, and if you do your reading and your history, you know, you can. But John Wayne is a little, I think he passed away in 1979. Mm -hmm. So we remember him. In 1971, he did a homophobic interview with Playboy magazine. The year being 1971. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, yes. Yes. Where were we on? Uh, could women vote yet then? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you laugh, but it wasn't that long ago that women could no, vote. No, I know what you You're right. Yeah. You're right. I know what you anyway, mean. Uh, Wayne's views, let's see what they are. Uh, was, he said. blacks and another yeah. segment of society. Uh, and well, the Indians, too. He said something uh, insensitive. I say Indians. The Native Americans, sorry. He called them Indians. Oh, he did call them Indians. Yeah, but yeah. that's not what the, that's what he's getting busted for now. He's getting busted about white supremacy. He said, I believe in white supremacy until the blacks are educated to a point of responsibility. Now, mm -hmm. what's missing is whether whites need to be educated to a point of responsibility. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, yeah. There's meatheads of every stripe, by yeah. the way. He also yeah. said the academic community has developed certain tests that 
determine whether blacks are sufficiently equipped scholastically. And some blacks have tried to force the issue and enter college when they haven't passed the test and don't have the requisite background. Or money. For a gunslinger, not many today who are, are gun folks use the words requisite background for anything. Mm. Uh, by the way, what happened after that is not told. Well, his, let's hear the rest of the story. Well, his son, <laughs> have you seen what his son has said? No, I have not. Let me see if I can get the exact quote. So mm -hmm. John Wayne's son is fighting uh, with the Orange County Airport to keep the name yeah. because he says they're taking all of this uh, out of context and that uh, one interview that he did that was stupid, he later regretted and apologized for. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, his name is Ethan Wayne. He says, let me make one thing clear. John Wayne was not a racist. I know that term is casually tossed around these days, but I take it very seriously. And I understand how he got to this point. There is no question that the words spoken by my father 50 years ago have caused pain and anger. They pained him as well, and he realized his true feelings were wrongly conveyed. That's not the same as not saying it, but I get it. Mm -hmm. Spin has always been spin. Anyway, in an interview at the time, Wayne is quoted as saying, I believe in white supremacy, blah, 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 blah. Ethan, who is Wayne's youngest son and president of John Wayne Enterprises, <laughs> slight conflict of interest, yes. went on to say, the truth is we've seen in the papers from his archives, he did not support white supremacy in any way, and he believed that responsible people should gain power without the use of violence. He was against the violence. And, yeah. you know, he judged everyone, anyone who knew him, blah, blah, blah. He was great. He called out bigotry when he saw it. He hired and worked with people of all races. Creed, well, you can't do a Cowboys and Indians movie with only white people. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the actors were not Native American, however. Yeah, but still, he's, he's defending his... I, I think his son should be heard, don't you? Yes, yes. I just, I find this whole thing kind of misdirected energy... It's like, uh, yes. really, libs, dems, whatever. There are bigger fish to fry. Well, there are living this. fish to fry. Yes. <laughs> I totally agree with you. I mean, yeah. all of these stories and these toppled statues yeah. use valuable attention and time that could be spent preventing this stuff from happening again and, in and the future. And you're alienating an element that you need to cross the aisle yes. and cooperate with to get any ball moved forward. Yes. So, John Wayne. Moving I'm on. Spinning in hey, my box. Ed is. Yes, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if you had more to say, as Wayne. Uh, Ed, it is, be it, is it true that uh, Dr. Fauci is sleeping on your couch today? Can you go wake him up? I, 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 do, you, I, do you really want to wake him up? Do you know how long he was up? The He's had really long days, I know. Every night. His, and the, more, the longer he is, he's in full croak. Sometimes yeah. he has a normal voice until he gets talking and talking and talking and talking, feed after feed after feed. Well, you know. he testified earlier today before he came and crashed on your couch that the U.S. could have 100,000 new, 100, new coronavirus new cases. cases a day if yeah. this does not turn around. So go and wake him up. That's just the U.S. Important. Yeah, go wake yeah. him up. I don't know if that's doable. I think that is doable. Uh, okay. I'm sorry. I guess it is. Okay. Dr. Fauci. Not now. I'm sleeping. <laughs> For God's sake.
God's sake, what does a guy have to do to get a fakakta nap around here? Why? Why are you bothering me? Bob wants to talk. Bob Hope. Bob Hope. What do you think? Bob Hope is dead. Yeah. And so is Bob. So is Bob. <laughs> Rivers. Right. He doesn't want to get up. It's fine. Uh, but we can still talk about him. Uh, he said that. Tell Reece- him I told him to eat shit and die. <laughs> <laughs> he said uh, he'll be with you in a minute. He'll be with him in just a moment. He's got to brush his teeth. No problem. Uh, Fauci said that recent images of Americans gathering in bars or other crowds foreshadow a great spike in infections. It's going to be very disturbing. We're going to continue to be in a lot of trouble, and there's going to be a lot of hurt if this does not go away. It certainly seems to relate to an extended period of time in close quarters. Do you know what I mean? It seems to me that a bar is the stupidest place to be. But then again, when I was 30, it's my job to be in the stupidest place I could be. And may I say, mission accomplished. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dr. Fauci. <laughs> You're here. It's quite all right. Oh, I'm here. I'm, yeah. I've been, I'm here. I've been in a hearing all damn day. Yes. Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. Help is the acronym. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and now, I understand that you personally have suggested... Uh, that the I president wear a mask, or was that Senator Lamar Alexander? I, I, Lamar, he's this. a Republican. He wears plaid. Lamar, big deal. Yeah. Whoever said it, nobody heeds. They so, don't care. They don't care. Nobody cares, Bob. Yeah. Now we're he, going in the wrong direction. I know. I know. Uh, so the hearing took place as Republican governors of newly hard-hit states, including Texas and Florida are starting to rescind their reopening plans. We've now uh, had a death toll of 124,000 people since February, and we just had a record daily number of confirmed cases. Florida, Texas, come on. Arizona. 44,792 cases in a day. And you're saying that could more than double. We, if we don't turn this thing around, yes. Yeah. Could be much worse. Bigger numbers all around. Trust me on this one. Now, what do you say, because we were talking about this with Ed Kelly. I don't know where he is yet because he had to leave the room. But Who cares? What do you say about the fact that there's <laughs> most of them are young people going to bars and maybe they're not going to croak as fast? What do I know from croak? <laughs> If they go, they're going to kill grandma. Mm. Grandma got run over by a virus. <laughs> Very good point. And by the way, there's a song that I hadn't considered up until right this minute. So, yeah. Make uh, your songs. Yeah. People are dying. Make your funny songs, Mr. Funny. Your quote earlier today was, <laughs> I would not be surprised if we go up to 100,000 a day if this does I not. I would not be surprised. No. So it's not Are you surprised def- by that? Uh, no, I, I'm i surprised that you still speak. I, I love that, actually, that you still speak freely, even though you don't necessarily always follow the administration's toe the line of, you know, this is no big deal. So they apparently let you do that. Would you follow a monkey going down the street 
who was freed from a cage and had never been introduced into society before. The man listens to nothing. <laughs> now, I'm just trying to figure out what that analogy meant. He's an meant. orangutan. <laughs> oh, orangutan. <laughs> oh. It's not Tang. Tang went to the moon. It's orangutan. <laughs> orangutan. Yes. So calling a president a monkey, I think it's okay if he's white. Is that okay with what you? What are they going to do? Yeah. Fire me? <laughs> All right. He's the one politicizing, Bob, not me. Yeah. All right. Well, I heard Joe mask, Biden wear a mask. Asshole. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Anthony Fauci. You're welcome. Wow, he's a little grouchy today. Back wow. to the couch. Don't wake me up. I'm going back to the couch. Oh. If he calls back, I'm not here. He's not here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, thank you for that, Ed. Yeah. It's nice of you to put him up. Yeah. Well, it's the least I can do. So, uh, all right, let's move on to, there's so many other stories today. We're not going to get to hardly anything. <laughs> no, we really aren't. Are you talking about the overall overarching picture and progress of this project, or are you speaking generally? No, just that it's it's a crazy world out there right now. So, it is. Uh, let me skip through some of the ones I've got here, and I know you sent a bunch. Uh, there's a bunch of rock news. Let's, how about some, uh, nothing to do with the virus rock news. All right. Ringo Starr is going to be 80 years of age on my wow. birthday. Look at that. We have oh, the same wow. birthday. Did you guys know that? I did not. I did not. Yeah. And it never shows up in those daily calendars, celebrity celebrity calendars. My <laughs> birthday? No, of course it doesn't. Yeah. I'm not a celebrity. Why is that? Uh, yeah, Ringo Starr is born on July 7th. I was born on July 7th. And a very famous uh, piano player named Pine Top Perkins was also born on July 7th. Oh, oh sure. I got to Muddy meet Waters, him. Yeah, you piano know, player. I got to meet him when he was like uh, 98. Wow. And still I saw playing? one of his last shows. So, he, yes. he was still playing at 98. Oh, he was amazing. Yeah, he played at a jazz club in Seattle. And I had to go, even though he was like 98. <laughs> and I interviewed him, and he was very nice. Yeah. And when he played, it was an homage to him. He didn't have the chops, of course, that he had when he was younger. But he mm. still had a lot of the licks from muscle memory. Yeah. And the band was so honored to be on stage with him that, you know, he would be a little behind the beat and here and there. And, and they'd hang the, back. They would just all catch up, and he was the boss. <laughs> 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 and I thought about it. I thought, like, 98 years old, and you're going to work? That's something. Well, and that's why they say when you're deciding what to give your children, whether to enroll them in soccer, swimming, or piano lessons, teach them piano because yeah. they can take that into their octogenary Forever. phase. Yeah. Ringo Starr will be 80 on July 7th, so he's going to have a little party and do an 80th birthday show. It's going to be a hmm. virtual nice. charity broadcast. And uh, I assume we'll all be able to watch it. So he tapped a few of his friends. Aha. Uh -huh. He gets by with a little help from his friends. Yeah. He has a few uh, friends he can get by with a little help from, like Paul McCartney, Joe Walsh, Cheryl wow. Crow, mm. and more. Nice. Yeah. You know, you know what his favorite phrase is. It's not on a Trump hat, but you know what his favorite phrase is? Peace and love. Peace, peace and love. And love. <laughs> yes. And he um, is going to call it the Peace and Love Show. Oh, okay. That'll be worth a watch. Yeah. He does you know, not Ed, look his Bob age. And I, uh, Bob and I were lucky enough to see the one of the all-star shows. Have you ever seen one? Yes. Of I, I actually introduced one. Yeah, yeah. You got to admit, 
it, that life is beautiful. Just the, yeah. vi- the vibe of the show is just about having fun yeah. and yeah. the hits, and it's great. And he's great, really. He's a good. Fun. He's a good uh, spoke for the wheel on yeah. that tour. Yes, that. absolutely. And that that Barbara Bach is some dish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, if you go back and watch the movie, <laughs> yes, she the is. Bond girl. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. not saying that I saw her yesterday. I didn't see her yesterday. But yeah. when I brought them out, you know, in the '90s, uh, they were good. All was good. Ringo Starr, 80 years old. It's hard to fathom that, by the way. Hmm. A beetle being 80. He's the oldest beetle. And I'd heard I'd heard uh, that there was going to be a union a reunion rather between uh, McCartney and he. I didn't realize it was going to be his birthday show though. No, because that's about the only Beatles reunion we can do at this point. Uh yeah. I mean, they could get their kids. Yeah, you could get one of the Lennon kids. Yeah, you could get uh, George Harrison's son. I don't. I think he's a little bit who, musical. Who looks like Mini George? It's scary. It is scary. Oh, it is. Oh. The, have oh. You ever seen the concert for George? That thing with Clapton yes. and all those yes. guys. Yes. Oh, killer. Awesome stuff. That's pretty close. It's pretty you know, close. Yeah. You know, I'll you. tell you, if the news is bugging you, which is where we started this podcast off, <laughs> I thought of a way to completely ignore the news and go into a deep dive of entertainment every single day for the rest of your life and not have any idea what kind of typhoid or hurricane or virus or Pestilence. pandemic is coming. You know what it is? <laughs> What's that? Just get up every day and live on YouTube. Get a swivel chair, a giant monitor. Watch every <laughs> concert of every artist you've ever loved. Oh, yeah. Learn how to fix a small motor. Pick anything you want to learn about. Anything. And just type it into YouTube and it'll teach it. Now, you do have, these guys are not editors and they're not producers that make these. So you do have to fast forward through a few of them. Uh, They do give you the points. There is some bad stuff. You have to kiss a few frog videos. (laughs) In the manner of To get to the prince. Yes. All right. I did send out an invitation tonight to Jeff Kathan, Uh who, uh, and we should mention this on the podcast, because if we don't talk to him tonight, we'll talk to him on Friday. Uh, we were absent from the podcast waves on Friday, uh, and I and I want to say something so you both hear it super clearly because it, I don't say it very often. It's entirely my fault. Hold it. Let me roll tape on I'm that. Gonna, Go I'm ahead. Gonna say, I'm going to say I've got to cue this up. I'm actually <laughs> rolling back up on it tonight. Yeah. No, it was entirely my fault because we um, had a, a wonderful discussion we brought in drummer Jeff Kathan, who played with Paul Rogers for uh, longer than a decade. He'll tell us exactly how many years. Mm-hmm. And he told us some great stories about Sweet Sweet Connie. And anyway, when we finished the podcast, I hung out and chatted for a little while. I think it was with Jeff. And what you're supposed to do at the end of the podcast is save the file before mm-hmm. you close the WebRTC browser. Inside stuff, but... Trust me. Yeah. I hung up with Jeff. I said, all right, thank you. I got it to work and edit this, uh, which is just cleaning up the beginning and the end. We really don't edit our conversations at all, as you should be able to tell by how loose they are. <laughs> the gaps, yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> I clicked close on the browser, and the little box comes up that says, are you sure you want to close? Because any files you have not saved will be destroyed. I went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> no. And I actually uh, erased the whole thing. 
Oh, man. And, uh, you know, you've seen that happen before with computers. So uh, I blame that on software engineers. That should have been made idiot-proof. I know. So, joining us now, legendary drummer Jeff Kathan, who has played with Paul Rogers, but also uh, a, a number of other notables, and helped us launch a band in Seattle called Spike and the Impalers, which helped rocket our morning show to number one. Damn. And uh, he is a, a We're number one. Yeah. We're number one. He, he is the only person who's ever asked me to be the best man at his wedding. Wow. Which was a huge honor. And he introduced me to all kinds of people. I met some of the guys from Heart uh, hanging out with his crowd, and they invited me to play in a Heart uh, spinoff band. And, uh, and, and then Jeff, he knew... Uh, Jeff, you can listen to me glow on you for a little while before you talk, but... He knew like one of the greatest drummers ever, uh, Paul Rivera. Uh, Rivera, how do you say his name? Pete Rivera. Pete Rivera, the drummer for Rare Earth. Mm-hmm. Oh sure. And Ooh, all right. The yeah. only band ever signed to Motown. And the only band where the drummer is the lead singer and kicks ass, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, yeah. and anyway, I'm Pete see Rivera. Him this weekend. Pete Rivera came to one of our shows and got up on stage, and did I just want to celebrate? And of course, I learned the four organ chords. And so I got up there and got to wail with Pete Rivera. Who else did you bring in at various times? The guy from ACDC, what was his name? Chris Slade. Chris Slade from ACDC came up and played an ACDC wow. song with us. And then, and like, all this stuff was happening. Uh, but I have to tell you the beginning of our relationship. See, I wanted to get this band for Spike because he was a great singer. Sure. And I thought it would be exciting for him, and it would be good for the show. Uh-huh. But I really wanted Spike to have the fun of leading a band. And so Jeff and Lynn, who was the bass player of Paul Rogers and did some Bad Company too, basically I think they emailed me or one of their girlfriends emailed me and said, stop looking for a band I've got the rhythm section for Paul Rogers. You're, you don't even need to have auditions, right? It was Joe Shikani's girlfriend. Oh, that's right. It was Joe Shikani's girlfriend, who's now with Roger Fisher, right? Yeah, that's it. Guitar yep. player for heart. That's a whole, it's a soap opera in Seattle. But anyway, <laughs> so I, I, like I said to Spike, yeah, I think we have your rhythm section. But we had already set up an audition for people to be in the band. Mm-hmm. And we were having it at this club called Waldo's at lunchtime. Because any rock club will open up at lunchtime if you're going to sell some beer. And the perfect time for morning people to hang out. Yes, it was the evening for us. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, I brought in Jeff, uh, Lynn, and uh, uh, Joe Shikani, who's a great, great guitar player. And anyway, they come in and they, well, they look like a band. I mean, Jeff's all, (laughs) you know, got leather and... Looks like he's about to be in a bondage movie, and, <laughs> <laughs> and Lynn Sorensen's oh, got got the the scraggle hair that you know goes down to his knees or whatever. D rings in his forehead. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, they come in and they're like, we get into a room in the production room and we start talking, and and they start basically telling us how to do the band. Look, uh, here's what you want to do. You want to pick big fucking mother mofo powerhouse fucking rock songs and bang the fucking shit out of them. You got to do some ACDs. You got to do. And they were basically given Spike, like, here's how we're going to make you really popular. All right. And so they leave the room. Jeff knows this story. 
And I go, what did you think? And Spike goes, they're kind of full of themselves. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, I love it. I said, because that's rock and roll. If you got the goods, you're supposed to be full of yourself. Yeah, you're struck. And uh, anyway, long story short, these guys led us on stage. We opened up for ZZ Top, Leonard Skinner, Foreigner in big halls. Then we ended up playing huge concert venues because of the radio show, but also because we had a powerhouse rhythm section uh, in front of 2,500 people routinely at casinos. hits. In the summer. Yeah. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, without much further ado, uh, hmm. Jeff Kathan now coming to us from Federal Way, Washington. I am right here. And, and how's my mic level? Is it too much? No, you're perfect. Much and, better. Yeah. And Jeff okay. has set up for podcasting he has, and also for playing his drums remotely during the pandemic. He has literally set up a studio in his garage and comes to us sounding like he's in the room. Wow. How are you, Jeff? I'm fantastic. Yeah. I am fantastic. And here I am in Federway, Washington. And hold on a second. Hold on a second. Uh, okay. <laughs> Can't be without I'm some. just trying to adjust <laughs> a couple of things on my end here. Okay. I thought you were doing a zip impression. <laughs> <laughs> zip does that. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so yeah. here I am. Yeah. So at, at the bottom line is is that um, after all these years and all the things we've all done, uh, I'm still trying to keep playing drums and keep trying to do shows. And every time I turn around, the last two days. We've lost two Spike and Impaler shows. Ah. Boom, boom. Mm. In, in August. Now we're way into August. Right. And they're canceling, right? And you know and with, with the coronavirus numbers going up. Um, yeah. You know. We're... The, the other thing, old Bob, is that before I came here today, mm-hmm. I listened to your podcast from last night. Oh. And I found out about Spike having a heart attack. Yeah. I didn't tell you guys this, did I? No, and no, I'm not. going. Oh, holy crap! No one told me anything, and I'm going. Whoa! And but I did see something on Facebook today that, uh, and I couldn't tell. Was that is Spike saying he had a heart attack, or the guy that was his painter had a heart attack? Anyway, the bottom line is it was Spike, and this is his seventh stent. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, I mean, eventually they're going to crack his chest. Yes, that's all there is. Well, they'll it, put know? him right up there with David Letterman and Larry King. It's not a big yeah, deal yeah, these yeah. days. Don't they have a drive-through for that? Just like Jiffy <laughs> Jiffy Lube. <laughs> Darling, it's Menifee. They crack me open like a crab. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, give, so, me, give me a lube, would you please? Yeah. So Jeff, the way I found out, by the way, was the same way you did. I don't know if it came across on the podcast, but. Yeah, you were shocked. I could he tell told you us shocked. all. Going, on the, what? He, I what was are like, you saying? Who, has, who wants to talk about something tonight? And he said, uh, I'm going to need all the time you got. <laughs> yeah. But so. he started out saying that I had the corona test. You know, the corona. Yes. The COVID-19 test and how horrible it was. And then he started from there going... But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Right. The bottom line is, I, I mean, he could have been on a ferry and had this heart attack and maybe not made it. I mean, and how embarrassing would that be to die in the throes of being on top of a ferry? That would be Jeez. Kind of- <laughs> oh, we already did that joke last night. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so, so Ed, politically so, correct. So is, is, is Ed feeling good? Ed, how are uh, you? Ed? <laughs> Ed, listen. <laughs> 
I heard some other thing. I listen. I listen to you, these podcasts and I'm trying to figure out what, what the hell's going on. So, is there something going on with Ed? Is he not feeling well? <laughs> I'm fine. He's okay. Yeah. Always oh, good. Now. You're you're good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, Jeff. No let's sense. let's talk a couple because we're we're uh, on t- in terms of time. We got ten minutes, maybe twelve or fifteen tops. We wanted to get you on, and we 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 sort of rehearsed this, but I want to hear some of your greatest moments in rock and roll history. You played for Paul, Paul Rogers, simply known as The Voice, clearly one of the greatest, most technically and spiritually and bluesy and just incredibly talented voices in the history of all rock and roll. Agreed. And most people agree with that. And Ed, I believe, saw you play with him during that era that you were doing it. What would you say was your highest moment and i know you didn't get high on stage so you know what i mean emotionally during that run with paul rogers oh god there's so many it comes down to to the venues more than anything because everything we went through um i earned every minute i played with paul rogers but I got to tell the truth. He was a tough. He was. Bod, he, he, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't easy at all. Yeah. He was a He's real not tough. Not a picnic. Yeah. SLB and there. I still have baggage because of it. But I. I love him. But still, I go. Oh my god. I and mean, there were times I had tears running down my eyes because listening to that voice, I'm playing with him, going, God, this is not even real. So, but it's unworldly. Saying all that. Um. The first huge moment, uh, Howard Leese was not in the band yet. Uh, I was playing with Randy Hansen, and we were in Chicago at Grant Park, and there was 350,000 people there. Mm. And we were the opening act for Joe Walsh. And he has Joe Fatale and Russ Kunkel. Zip, you can love oh, this. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, man. Wow. He's, he's got two of the best freaking drummers in the world playing with him and I'm looking oh god I'm not I'm not worthy right so you were a, you sure. even though you work your ass off you were a little intimidated that you were going to get out and play in front of those oh yeah. god yes god yes it's a big show well, we man. got out there we wow. just did what we did right and there on the side of the stage and and then the next time I saw Joe Vitale uh, we were in Sacramento California he was playing with Stephen Stills and I'm sitting on there on his stage with him at, before the encore, right? And he goes, Jeff, if I knew you were playing tonight, you could have just played my kit, man, and do this backline thing. I go, Joe, that's so cool. That's so cool that you would say that, you know? It's a respect thing, right? Big time. And that turned out to be one of those moments in history, in my world, mm-hmm. that night, because Paul... Defining. Went went crazy. He went. He just went crazy on us, and we were in the in the band room, and he just f- filleted all of us. So much us. like it, Chuck Berry, he mm-hmm. he was a tough fifties dad. Oh, on it, his it, it was like, yeah. and he was. And what happened was, um, Randy had asked to have his guitar in his monitor, and we didn't have a monitor guy with us at the time. Oh, I know I where mean, this is know, going. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, so, I see where it's guitar going. Guitar yeah. was blasting in Paul's monitor and right. just oh just tweaked the shit out of him. Yeah. I can say that. 
And because <laughs> it's not he, Joe's show. I mean, Joe, was, uh, was, by the way, was, we came was, to an was, agreement was, with Joe. Can I pause for a second on the on the profanity? Yeah. What's the agreement? Joe said we can each have one shit per show. <laughs> Poor Joe. No, I, said, I think he said one fuck for show. On this show, we can say whatever we want, but we don't a lot because we're really no. not, you know, profane people. Gratuitous, but say yeah. whatever the fuck you want. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, this is this is this is an amazing story. It can go on, on, on because it really does go on, on, on. But he, um, I mean, he just he he just. He just came unglued, and in the, in the, we came off. We came off the stage at the bottom of the stage, and there's Stephen Stills, and everybody's shaking our hands. And you know, we go to the dressing room, and oh. he just laid into us like, like, um, and we're all looking at each other like, okay, we can't, we can't make this, we can't make this guy happy. This is horrifying. And all of a sudden, there was this at the door, and. He's like he looks at us and goes, just just wait a minute. And by the way, he had no shirt on, and he's just, he's like, <laughs> open the door, and Stephen Stills. He goes, hi Paul, I just wanted to say hi to you. Uh, give me a minute. He closes the door. And he goes, this is not over. We're gonna keep talking. You know, and uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so then you so, let Stephen Stills. So in. so so the beauty is, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish the story with this. Hmm. That I walked out, and I didn't have a drum tech at the time. I had nobody. It was just just yeah. me. You were your own roadie. And I'm gathering all my stuff, putting it into this anvil case because we have to fly that day, that night, to Vernon, California, uh, New York. Hmm. We have to go across the entire country to play a show the next night. And and uh, I'm putting my stuff in there, and my head's down, and I'm putting my stuff in. I have this tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, and it's Stephen Stills. Hmm. He goes, so, what's it like to play with Paul Rogers? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I looked up at him. I looked up at him, and I said, it's a privilege and an honor. Mm. Yeah, and he smiled and he winked at me. He goes, nice answer, kid. That's awesome. Because yeah. they could all hear all this stuff, right? Sure. And they're all going, what the heck are you? Why would you, you know? Yeah, well, anyway, well, and may I say this about that? Uh, this is the first time I've heard this story because you're such a pro, Jeff, that even the years you know we would interview, and I, I got to know Paul Rogers, and I knew he was tough, but when, when you were on the air, it was a privilege and an honor always. So you had to be on a small podcast 10 years after leaving the band to tell the story. <laughs> and Bob. I'm sure that yeah. it was both of those things as well as a pain in the ass. Well, but that's okay. I mean, it is part of what made him who he is. And, and I know that you mean... But there were times we were on stage yeah. together in these huge venues around the world. I mean, all around the world. And he'd come back and look at me in the eye and just smile and go, yeah, give me the thumbs up. Yeah, um, those are so, worth it, yeah. I mean, nothing but good. I mean... Um, Talking about venues, playing Hammersmith Odeon, which is now called the Apollo, in uh, in London, that is a venue. I what do I do? We go to these places, and you go, oh my God, I'm playing this venue, and yeah. you find the oldest guy who's at a tech, who's worked his own whole life in this place. Tell me about it. Is Will Son? Everybody I've ever met, ever met in my life. Who's come th every the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Elton John? They've all played this venue, and I'm going. I'm touching 
the walls in the dressing room going, <laughs> yes, so. how did I get here? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm doing my drum solo where Bonham did Moby Dick. So you got to appreciate where you are at the moment, and I appreciate all of it. I'm just, it was, I'm just honored. I'm just, I'm lucky to have, have the opportunity. There's no ill will at a, whatsoever. Yeah. But it wasn't easy. But there was a little baggage. You. There was a little yeah. luggage kept up there. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I got you know, it. And by the way, I think that's really appropriate. I think even if he heard that, he'd respect you for it because he knows right. his stuff. So, uh, uh, we got time for so, one more Ed, story. And, uh, and by the wait, way, Jeff, wait, 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 you're, you're going to be a regular guest because you have more stories to tell. Oh, I have tons of stories. <laughs> All right. But let's. I have to, yeah, I have to ask Ed. Ed? Yes, Jeff. Yeah. Ed, have you seen me play? Uh, I it turns se- out. It misaligned. The uh, 90s when I had int- uh, gone, gone to see Paul Rogers play in Pontiac, Michigan, uh, was not during your, your tenure with him. Because I'm but thinking we did, it was 93. We did, oh no, yeah, that was before me. I didn't right. join until 98. But right. ni- we did, uh, you know, Pine Knob. Um, there's another, uh, one of those amphitheaters. Great they were in, in, uh, in But when, we'd also play Windsor. Mm-hmm. And, it's a little and C- Toronto, I'm guessing Caesar's, Caesar's uh, uh, Casino. I do want to bring up one thing. Yeah. You guys, I, yeah. I've been listening to all your podcasts. You talk about different things. About one thing about Neil Pert, mm-hmm. who's arguably one of the best drummers of all time, especially in rock and roll. Certainly progressive. And, and he rode a motorcycle, which I love mm-hmm. him even more. <laughs> um, the thing about about thing about him, he was exactly one month older than me, mm-hmm. and he just died of the exact same. Um, Disease that my wife of twenty five years died of brain cancer, glioblastoma. Yeah. Yep, yeah. And Is I that John believe, McCain too. Same thing. Yeah, I cannot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can, and I cannot believe he did his last tour yes. with that disease in his head. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's how tough son of a bitch that guy was. Dedicated. I mean, how could you possibly do that? I know what they put them through. So, I've so, seen so it. Jeff, are you saying that if? You should get this COVID nineteen, and you're on a ventilator, but they don't cancel one of the Spikeland Impaler show. They're going to wheel you out. <laughs> you're you wheel play. you right now. Well, that it's, brings us back to the other subject we yeah. talked about before a, a while ago. Yeah, I'm. You know, I I don't have it. I don't know anybody that does, and it doesn't mean that it's not there and it's not real. I, I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I not just good. don't know. Yeah. Right, before way, we, but um, I, do, I, yeah. I do know that it's 4th of July, and I have no gig. I've yeah, played a show yeah. with somebody the last 15 to 20 years of my life on 4th of July. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe it. It's terrible. It's That's the toughest it. it's, time for musicians, yeah. I, I bet. All right, before we go, I want to do the groupie story, because we'll have you back. But uh, this uh, sweet, sweet Connie is the very famous groupie that is sung about, and we're an American band, and she, uh, you know, she basically goes without saying um, was not a me too person <laughs> well in a way she was Nicely but me too but at she, the time but had a but different, she also, different kind of me too yeah um, she also ran for mayor of little rock arkansas and she did eventually do that that yes. takes that takes some balls to do that that's, but when that's you pretty, met her uh oh yeah what oh yeah what era are we talking uh well 2000 Five, okay, six. How six. old would she be then? Oh, I don't know. And you, she's probably well, got to be in her forties or late forties. She know? was. Oh, oh, she was already in her late forties then. 
Yeah. I would say, yeah. Okay. And a, and a but, perpetual but she, runny but, nose. I but, don't but I she was, never but she's, She was still Connie. She was still Connie. So, and, yeah. So she met so, you and she su- well, suggested the is, an interaction it, with you, correct? I met her and people said, this is Little Rock Connie. And I went, wow, wow, heard about you. And we were actually we were on a boat going down that river, which is the, well, must be the Arkansas River. And... And, you know, nothing happened, and we were cool, and, and we, we just talked, and we got off, and blah, blah, blah. And, and then right before I got on stage, I mean, right, I mean, my foot is on the stage getting ready to run up and get on these drums. Somebody grabbed me by the butt, and I turned around, and it's her. She goes, It was either her or George Herbert Walker Bush. It was happy to be <laughs> She goes, Yeah. She goes, And you're next. Oh, went, and you're you're oh. next. And she meant it, but, of course, right? But the thing way. is, what's so great is that after the show, she wasn't there. She took off with other people. And just the fact that I knew she wanted it yeah. was good enough. Good enough. I'm, yeah. part of, I'm still part of the legacy, <laughs> you know? And she was really quite sweet, actually. It was, it was very, very cool. That's very nice. But I have a, one, final, one final thing. Sure. This is good. This is the same freaking night. This is, this is big. So we get done playing, and uh, the promoter goes, hey, let me take you out, and I'll show you around. We'll show you around town. So I'll take it down the music district and show you around. And so the band... Our tour manager, maybe our sound man, we got in a van and sure, what the hell, got nothing else to do. So we go down, she shows us all these places, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, hey, would you guys like to see the Clinton Museum? And we went, okay, I'm not sure why, but fine. And you have, it's 11 o'clock at night, do you have a key? Yeah, oh yeah, you have a key. I don't know why. Why he had a key. So we open, we go to the Clinton Museum. He opens the door. And we walk in. And walking down the hall, and there's all these pictures, all these great photos of all these people meeting, all the Hillary and, and Bill, and like, oh my God. And the guy stops dead in his tracks, turns around, looks at us. He goes, Go ahead, ask me. Uh. <laughs> and we're all going, Ask you what? I go, he goes, is it all true? And he goes, is what all true? Is he the biggest womanizer of all time or what? I go, well, is he? He goes, oh, hell yes. (laughs) When he was was governor, five out of seven nights out of the week, he'd get in his limousine at 11 o'clock at night. Now, wait a minute, this is all hearsay. This is all hearsay. I have no, I have no nothing in writing that this is true. This may be complete bullshit. But he said that that he got in his limo every night about eleven o'clock, and he come down and cruise the music area, look and as the governor, he kind of pick out a woman. And somebody would get out of the car. Uh, I'm the governor. And a- Cop in. And ask, ask her if you want to get in the car with him. Now I don't know. And they would get in the car with him. Hey, they may have just had a conversation. Maybe he. Sure. You know. I, you know. What it is is I like your blue dress. It's a beautiful Lady blue dress. And Paula <laughs> Jones. So, so anyway, this, this is. Sorry, I'm doing is, Clinton, but this is about on. the president of the United States. And I'm going. Uh, okay, this is the hearsay, but. 
Wow. And he goes, the, the, when he goes, everybody in Little Rock, Arkansas cannot believe the man became president of the United sure, States because sure, they know and him. none of this ever came out yeah. and became became a, a problem. That's how the people at Trump Tower feel, too. By the way, when you were in that um, museum, do they shine a black light on it? And can you see like the police? <laughs> looks like a police oh, on the wall. Oh, that's, that, the no, DNA I, evidence. Now that's fucking cold. Oh, God. <laughs> look, at, look at that couch. It looks like a Rorschach test. <laughs> All right. Now, again, I have to put the disclaimer out there. This is another man's. This is what he, the story. Right. I have no he idea. Thou I wasn't there. <laughs> devil with the I, I blue want... dress, blue dress, blue dress, devil with the blue dress on. <laughs> I don't want the Secret Service coming to my house going, okay, okay, guess the wall. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're busy with other problems now. So, um, Jeff Kathan, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Kathan, drummer with Paul Rogers, yeah, many years, yeah. dear friend. And uh, I will say, I'll close with this. When, uh, when I met Jeff and, I mean, we started those rehearsals for Spike and the Impalers. Uh, they, the, the guy said, "Oh yeah, you could play keyboards." And I was like, "Well, I haven't played a keyboard in twenty years." And I remember I go into a practice, and like there were two things I had to do. I had to hold down a note for a uh, bagpipe Bob patch. On it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. If you've ever heard that ACDC song, yes. the bad pipe Great just goes. You just hold one note down, right? And then it goes, do, 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 do. and that was like, you learned a song. <laughs> and it was so encouraging to me. And I, at, after like a couple practices, I went over to Jeff and I said, you know, you should really get a real keyboard player because I'd love to see the band sound good. And he was like, no, fuck you. Your name's on the show. You're going to be on stage. We'll teach you how to play keyboards. That's Jeff. Nice. Cool. Nice. Very nice. Didn't and you was went to work and you played fantastic. <laughs> Eventually. Uh, We're waiting for Jeff outside. Is the FBI? <laughs> yeah. So, Zip, do you do you still play out? Do you go out and play? Yeah. 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 I a couple different uh, groups and uh, some old Motown stuff and R and B. Not not uh, too heavy in the rock stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. But he but, can. Uh, yeah. He can. He can yeah. play the rock stuff. He won't hit him as hard as you, <laughs> because his well, shoulder would fall don't. off. But, <laughs> but his time. You know how. You know Jeff what this is. Is it? You know me too. You know I'm fussy from the recording studio. His mm-hmm. time is spectacular, yes. and he's very well uh, versed in just about everything. So, uh, all right, well, Jeff, you're going to come back. Uh, thanks for joining us. And I'm. And by the way, I'm really grateful that as a listener of the Bob, Spike, and Joe show, that you also enjoy our podcast? <laughs> oh, I listen to everything you guys do. Everything. It's great. That's awesome. I love all your... Ed, you got amazing voice talent. Holy cow. <laughs> Thank you. That's really awesome. I mean... I'm no Kenny wow, Arnoff, but I All the different things that you're doing. Gee whiz. I wish I could. I wish I had that talent to make make money. Hey, let's voice. do a quid. Let's do a quid pro quo. You can teach me uh, to be better on the skins, and I'll teach you some voice lessons. Yeah. All right, <laughs> we're going to close this out with a big, big Jeff Kathan song, "Cashmere." Jeff Kathan on the drums. It's Bob and Zip with Ed Kelly. Have a good one. Cheers, mate. The world's gone crazy. <laughs> And we're just trying to keep up. Bob and Zip.